Joining us right now is the co-host of the Bat Around. He apparently just pulled into Nationals Park and is ready to get going in a couple ways. He is the one and only Craig Heiss. He joins us here on the Bat Around. Craig, how are you, sir? I'm good, Kyle. What's going on, man? Hi, Steve. Does that mean you got to run in about five? Uh, no, I got about ten minutes. Go okay, ahead. Okay, perfect. All right. First of all, opening day. A lot of times, you don't see the very, very best in a pitching matchup. You got <laughs> one. You got one on Thursday that was almost otherworldly, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. I mean, Degrom was fabulous. Uh, Nats had some chances, but they ran themselves out of one inning in the third with Victor Robles making kind of a boneheaded uh, base running play while he was at third base. And then uh, uh, a couple of base hits later on, they had another shot at him. But really, when he had to make pitches, he did. And he struck out 10 over six. But Max Scherzer pitched into the eighth, and he was uh, just as dominant. He gave up the home run to Cano with two outs in the first uh, on a changeup, but, I mean, he strikes out 12, and, you know, if, if Max has outings like that throughout the year, he's going to feel pretty good about the way his year winds up. Question about managing. Uh, I'm not the biggest Davey Martinez fan in the world. You know that. Your thoughts on him allowing Scherzer to bat in a one nothing game in the bottom of the seventh? I know there were two out Nobody on. It's probably vastly different if a base runner's on. But you're going against Lugo in the seventh. You knew you were going to face Familia, and then um, and then uh, what's his name, uh, Ed- Edwin Diaz in the ninth. Don't you think that's the spot to pinch it for Scherzer there? No, not really. I mean, I would have thought so too. And people have been questioning him, but I, just exactly what you said. Had there been somebody on base. Uh, when his turn came up, he would have been pinch hit for. But uh, you know, he, you know, Max told Davey that if it comes down to it, and at that time it's one nothing. At that time, uh, you know, he told Davey, he says, "If I, you know, I can give you another inning if you need." And uh, once there was nobody on base and there were two outs already, uh, and and they, you know, he went ahead and and didn't pinch hit for him, let him hit. And Scherzer came out and threw 109 pitches uh, into the eighth, and he got taken out with two outs. But my way of looking at it is there was nobody. I don't care whether it's Lugo or Familia or, or Diaz. There was nobody coming in at that bullpen that was going to be as good as DeGrom was that day. So uh, I, I think it's apples and oranges, really. I certainly understand the point. And I, I well just thought, I thought, it was, I, I thought the back, the back end of the point, though, is that he then didn't allow Scherzer to f- complete the inning. He takes him well, out after yeah, he struck out a batter with two on and a runner on first, and he hands it over his bullpen, who gave up an important second run. Well, you know, it was, it was an important second run, but, you know, Robinson Cano can fist one right over the shortstop's head against Scherzer as well as he can, uh, you know, Matt Grace. So, from that standpoint, I mean, like I said, I, I just think it's apples and oranges. I mean, I, I understand your thinking, mm-hmm. but I also understand what Davey was trying to do, too. Okay. Um, today, you're back out there again at the park. Uh, a pitching matchup that might be a, a, just a notch below the other day, but it wouldn't shock you if these two guys in uh, Syndergaard and Strasburg have big games. Not, not at all, and uh, I would think that this is uh, – going to be another one of those as advertised. So 
I think it's important for Strasburg, though, to get off to a good start. Uh, and, and you know, Syndergaard is, you know, a very tough pitcher, but uh, it's going to be real hard to top what we saw on opening day for sure. You alluded to the base running blunder made by Victor Robles. I thought the most interesting part of the play, though, was how a veteran in Robinson Cano saw it out of the right side of his eyeball, saw that uh, Robles had not only gone back, but I think he anticipated or saw Robles then, after being frozen and going backwards, then take off, and Cano didn't miss a heartbeat in in tossing one, and they had him by 30 feet. Yeah, it was pretty much all one motion, and uh, I don't know what Victor was thinking about, you know, and uh, the third base coach, Bobby Henley, you gotta, you gotta make sure you're in his ear telling him what the situation is, because if he runs on contact there with the ball hitting the, in the hole at shortstop, he probably scores. So, and then there's your tie game and we're looking at a different conversation, but you got, you know, he's, he's young. You're hoping he's going to learn. And uh, what's maybe more alarming to Nats fans is the fact that they, they stressed, you know, all year long mm-hmm. or all spring long about, uh, about fundamentals. And, uh, it reared its ugly head, uh, in the first game of the year. So from that standpoint, that could be a concern. You can't, you gotta, you gotta stop that and nip that in the bud as Barney Fife would say. <laughs> <laughs> You're quoting one of the great philosophers of, uh, of our time. <laughs> You gotta Absolutely. Nip, yeah, you got to nip it in the bud. Andy, got to nip it in the bud. Hey, Heisty, the fun doesn't get any better after the Mets are in today and tomorrow, finishing up their three-game series. Uh, the Phillies come to town with one Bryce Harper in the lineup. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun on <clears throat> after an off day on Monday, on Tuesday night. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, how he gets uh, greeted here at Nats Park. It'll be interested, uh, interesting to see what, if anything, he has to say. If he's going to talk, I can't imagine why he wouldn't. Right. But uh, I'm certainly expecting that aspect of it. So we'll see. Do uh, you expect, you know, there's no question that um, uh, Bryce Harper sold a lot of tickets in Philadelphia once he was signed by the Phillies. You think, you expecting bigger crowds? Uh, for those games and might otherwise be present with him coming down? Uh, yeah, probably. But, you know, some of that's going to be, some of that's going to be the Philadelphia fans. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, I, I fully expect a contingent from Philly to come down here. Uh, but the Nets, the Nets have drawn very well uh, for, for games against the Phillies and for games against teams in the division. Now, it's early in the year. You may not get the kind of crowd you would in the summer, but I fully expect both those games to be close to sellouts. I really do. All right. We know you got to get to work, but I know Kyle has one basketball question for you before uh, we let you go. I hate uh, – he doesn't even have to ask. I hate Duke. And you and me both. <laughs> you and me well, both. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not he, – he set isn't me it, up on that isn't one. It amazing, isn't it amazing how Zion can go through the middle of the lane, absolutely close hang – uh, up around the net, the guy who's defending him, and yet it's that guy that gets called for the foul. It's really amazing, Kyle. I look for what it's worth. Zion is the the hardest Duke player to dislike I've seen in my life. 
That being said, uh, I would really wish one of you for Virginia Tech. Uh, again, one, of the, Duke, the, one of the Duke reporters last night stated it very well when I said, how does he miss that call? He's standing right on the sideline, meaning the official, and that play was right in front of him. And the, and the Duke guy says, he's Zion Williams. That's how. That's, and that pretty much summed it up. That does sum it up. How, how did the Virginia Tech guy miss that shot at the end? Well, you know, but he, I don't know how he missed it, but but I think he caught it, Stan, and in, and while he was in midair, he just kind of pushed the ball toward the basket instead of making sure that he wound up, you know, I, getting an accurate shot to the I, basket. But you know what? I, Virginia Tech should have never – that should have never even happened uh, because, quite truthfully, Virginia Tech uh, was out of bounds uh, on the inbound play. Yeah. Yeah. And they should have never even had the ball. You mean on the so, previous play yeah, to the inbounds? Yeah, right? on the previous play, yeah. yeah. They should never even had the ball. You know what I think happened on that play, and I mean this in seri- all seriousness. I thought that Zion Williamson was contesting that guy. I don't think he fouled him, but I think the, the sheer mass that he is, I think he moved the guy slightly over that when he dropped, he thought he was dropping the ball almost in the basket he had moved because of the sheer mass that Zion <clears throat> Williamson is. Yeah. Yeah, it was, and I mean, it was uh, a pretty amazing give play. Buzz, give Buzz Williams all the credit in the world. Yeah. What a great design play. Yeah. And he talked about that after the game. He said, all three of those last opportunities, I would have done it the same way all over again. Uh, and he said, especially, especially the one, because he explained the difference between .6 on the clock and 1.1 right. on the clock. Uh, he was going to do it either way, he said, but the 1.1 gave us the, the ample opportunity to make the play to tie the game. Kyle made the point earlier, and one of our guests also who saw the play, Jared Diamond from Wall Street Journal, made the point of saying that almost it seemed like the player still thought they only had .6 left rather than that he had more time to kind of collect himself and then get the ball in there. Well, that's possible. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about that. And that could change your mindset. But, uh, you know, either way, to me, it's basically uh, inbound. Just touch it and try to get it just up to the rim as quickly as you can. All all, all kidding aside, uh, what are you expecting tomorrow in that matchup, Michigan State and Duke? Well, I think Duke has to worry about uh, the guard uh, that Michigan State has. He's probably one of the best around. Cassius Winston. Uh, yeah, exactly, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Michigan State high handles Zion. I think that's the key to the game, right there. I think Michigan State's more experienced team, and I think I'm expecting them to win the game tomorrow. I really am. Well, fingers, fingers crossed. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily expecting them to win it, yeah. but I sure as hell hope they do. <laughs> I, know, I know that. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> you got a nip. I'll tell you one thing: if you hate Duke, you got to nip them in the bud. You got to nip them in the bud. <laughs> no question about it. Hi, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Enjoy your day out at Nats Park today. All right, Stan.